Well, I want to go ahead and pick it up right where we left off last week. If you missed last week's message, I would encourage you to check it out on walkchurch.com as we kicked off a brand new sermon series here at Walk Church that we've been titling A Christmas Carol, A Christmas Carol. And if you haven't seen A Christmas Carol, there are 98 versions of The Christmas Carol for you to see. If you want the Mickey Mouse version, you can watch that one. If you want the 1910 version, I think you can find it somewhere. Um, but if you, if you want the 2009 version, it's all out there as well. And it's an opportunity for you to understand a little bit more of the context of why we chose that title for this series. In the movie A Christmas Carol, you see this man named Ebenezer Scrooge, and he is a grumpy old man who has seemed to lose the Christmas spirit. And it's in this moment that this ghost of Christmas appears to him in the night and takes him into his past. And last week we talked about Christmas past and how Jesus redeems our past. Amen? How Jesus transforms and makes a difference in our past. He, he forgives us of our past. Amen? Yes. Isn't that good news that Jesus forgives us of our past and doesn't bring it back out, doesn't look back at it? When we put our faith in him, we're, we're forgiven. He frees us of our past. Sometimes I meet people and they say, man, I just can't get past my past. It's haunting me. And the, and the good news is there's a remedy for that and his name is Jesus. You need some Jesus because he frees us from our past. He takes it, removes it, and frees us by the power of his gospel. He deals with our past. And in the movie, you see after Ebenezer Scrooge has his encounter with his past, he has an encounter with the next ghost, the ghost of Christmas present. And it's in this time that he gets taken to different places in his life currently. And he sees how people talk about him behind his back. And he sees how people think about him when he's no longer there. And he sees what people are doing in spite of his grumpiness and he sees the reality of who he is. And it's in that moment that he is discouraged and embarrassed at his present life. And he says, I don't want to be a part of it anymore. I don't want to see this anymore. And this morning, I want to talk about how, how Jesus is with us in the present. Not just does he deal with our past, but he deals with us today. The birth of Christ has an effect on us today at Walk Church right now. So I want to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to read a handful of verses in Matthew chapter 1, specifically verse 18 through 25. When you get there, say ready. If you're there by way of screen, it's all good. Say ready. Now, for those of you who know, we, we always start out with something before we eat. And what is that? Prayer. Let's go ahead and ask God to bless this word from his word. Father God, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that I can approach you with confidence because you're with us. I thank you that you're not against us, but you're with us. Thank you, Jesus, that you're in us for those who call you Lord and Savior. So now, Father, meet with us in these next few minutes. Transform our hearts and minds to focus on the present in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Matthew 1, verse 18 through 25. This is a recounting of the Christmas story. There's two gospels, the, the gospel of Matthew and the gospel of Luke that retell the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be looking at Matthew's account this morning. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. 
when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name, say it with me, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That is good news for us this morning, that we have a Savior who will save us from our sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the prophet. And here's what the prophet had spoken. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God, say it with me, with us. One more time, God with us. One more time, God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. He called his name Jesus. Jesus. I want to focus on this phrase, Christmas present, and how this, this little three-word sentence transforms the way we think about the present right here. As we go ahead and look specifically at, at Matthew 1, verse 23, here's what the author tells us today. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. This is prophetic fulfillment from the prophet Isaiah, found in Isaiah chapter 7, as well as chapter 9, where the prophet Isaiah, 500 years before the birth of Christ, would prophesy that a virgin would come and give birth to a son. This will happen. This is historical fact. This is not a just cool story. This is not fantasy stuff. This is not Disney. This is the Bible, and this is history before us this morning. And the prophet Isaiah came before and wrote out of his prophetic wisdom that one day there will be born a son from a virgin, and he'll have a nickname. Anybody got a nickname in here today? There you go. You, someone may have a, a nickname. I remember growing up, I had a nickname. They would just take my first initial H and attach all types of different, it was H dog, it was H city, it was big H, it was small H, it was all types of H's. Well, Jesus has, now I'm Pastor H, that's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> Jesus has a, a nickname and his nickname is Emmanuel. And now maybe you, you'd be unfamiliar with what the, the name Emmanuel means, names were symbolic in this time, and, and they still are to a degree, but in this case, this was very important. That's why the author Matthew puts in parentheses, he says, I want everybody at Walk Church who reads this to know what this name means. It's not a random name. It's a specific, given, intentional name by God that is only for one specific person. It's for this boy who would be born of a virgin, and the angel Gabriel knows this. So I want to just set the stage with the context, right? Joseph is in a tough predicament. Can we just try to put ourselves in Joseph's shoes just for a second? A lot of times Mary gets a lot of the praise for the Christmas story. But Joseph is a crucial piece of the puzzle, amen? Right? See, because Joseph had just been betrothed to Mary. It's our version of engagement. So he just put a ring on it. But even in this culture, it was all the more real because betrothal was actual marriage. It just hadn't happened with a marriage ceremony yet. And so they had been betrothed together. We don't know exactly for how long, but Mary chose to go on a journey to visit her cousin, Elizabeth. 
We learn this from the Gospel of Luke. And after three months, Mary shows back up and goes to her betrothal partner husband, Joseph. And what does he see? A baby bump. And he's like, hold up. What's really good here? What's, what is going on here? I, I, I can understand you eating some cakes around the holidays, but that doesn't look like one of those bellies. That looks like there's a baby in there. And just... Let's just try to imagine this now. She, she goes into her story. Well, um, this angel showed up, and he spoke to me. Angel Gabriel, actually, you, you know about him. He's in the Bible. He's out throughout the Old Testament. He's like, uh-huh, keep going. And he told me that I'm going to give birth to Emmanuel, the Son of God. His name's going to be Jesus, and he's going to be the one who saves us from our sins. He's the Messiah. You know the Messiah that all of us are waiting for in this Jewish context and culture? They were waiting for God to send the prophetic messianic Messiah. He was coming, and they were waiting. And now Mary says, and, and he's in my belly God chose me. Scholars believe that Mary was 14 years old. Joseph was around the age of 16 to 18. And now Joseph, being a just man, praise God that Joseph was a righteous, just man. Because he believed that the Messiah would come and save him. But at this moment, he didn't believe her. <laughs> Understandably, okay? And Joseph is like, we got, we're betrothed. We were trying to walk in purity. You go hang out with cuz, and you come back, and this happens. I... And it says that Joseph resolved to divorce her quietly. He's like, I'm not, I don't want to put her to shame. I could have her killed by stoning. Um, I, 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 could, I could blow this up on Facebook. I could do a whole lot of craziness, right? But, but, but Joseph, being a just man, being a godly man, says, you know what? Uh, this isn't going to continue, but it's going to happen quietly. Um, I'm not going to put her to shame. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go to sleep. And so Joseph falls down on his bed. And during his time of sleep, that same angel shows up before him and says, listen, bro, <laughs> she's not lying. She is going to give birth to the Son of God, the Savior, and guess what? You're going to adopt him. You're going to be the dad of the Savior of the world. Praise the Lord. What a, what, what a calling, right? Could you imagine if Joseph said, you know what, I'm not doing it. I, I don't want to put up with the, the, the gossiping or the slander or people not believing us or family and friends not buying into what we're sharing. I don't want to go through all of that. I, I, I can't do it. But the thing that is remarkable about Joseph is that he wakes up from this dream and he says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I think the phrase that made a difference for Joseph, as I've been reading this over and over again, you know, I think this was important that, that when the angel said, here's, here's, here's what you got to remember, Joseph, God is with us. So like when you face the gossip, when you face the persecution, when you face this long road ahead of you as you're going to need to travel to Bethlehem for these strange circumstances regarding taxes and Herod and things like that, you're going to have to do this, but here's what you got to remember. He's going to be with you. That God is with us. And I think, I think that when Joseph heard that phrase, God with us, he said, all right, I'll do it. If you go with me, God, I'll go. If you're right there beside me, 
I can trust that everything's going to work out. If you go before me and at the same time stay behind me and at the same time walk around me, and God, if you're with me, I'm going. God with us. It's a, it's a powerful phrase that sometimes we just skip across when we get to the Christmas story. Possibly the most important phrase with the Christmas story is simply this, that God is with us. And because God is with us, I felt, I felt like Joseph became empowered to be obedient to the calling that was on his life. And how about Joseph is not Jesus' father? God is Jesus' father. He's the son of God. But Joseph chose to be the adopted dad. Maybe that's a word for somebody in here that may be praying through or considering adoption. We do see that in the Bible. And we see it at its peak in the life of Joseph. He said, you know what? This isn't even my baby, but I'm going to raise him. And he'll grow up to be a carpenter and a man's man and do all the things that I've done. And ultimately, he'll go on to surpass me. If I can just give just a little credit to Joseph, do do you guys know that we don't hear much about him after this moment? This is the highlight of his life. And that God chooses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. That maybe you think, hey, I'm just kind of like a working person. No one really knows my name. I grew up in a town that nobody really knows. I just kind of stand on the path that God has me on, trying to be obedient. That's the person that God identifies here to raise his son. And that could be your story for something special and extraordinary, for whatever that may be. Just be encouraged and stay faithful to what God is calling you to do. And even when you don't understand it, like Joseph didn't understand it, but he still took that step of obedience and we're still preaching about him today. Amen? Amen. And I'm thankful for Joseph's obedience to, to live out the calling that was on his life. He felt empowered to do that. If I could subtitle this message of Christmas present, it would be that, that Jesus empowers our present. Jesus empowers our present. I like this word empower. Let me give you a definition for the word empower. The first two I found are the first two we'll use. The Oxford Pocket Dictionary defines the word empower to make someone stronger or more confident. The second one from dictionary.com says to give power or authority to. The fact that God is with us should give us confidence that we never had before. The fact that God says, listen, I'm with you, I'm with you, should give you a, a stronger sense of confidence to do the things that God is calling you to do. The fact that God is with you should give you authority and power to step out in faith in ways you would have never stepped out if he wasn't with you. Amen? The fact that he's with you changes everything. He empowers us to do so. Last night I took uh, Epaph and Nina to uh, a friend of mine. Aaron Garcia has an awesome church here in the city um, called Designers. And they had a big Christmas party with um, different bounce houses and stuff like that. And I took Epaph. And Epaph said, I want to go on that slide. And I said, all right, buddy, go for it. And he said, you coming with me. I'm not going down that by myself. And here I am trying to, you know, climb up this little loop thing to get up on the slide. I was like, am I even allowed to do this? I'm going to break this thing. Um, and, and, and he said, come with me. You got to come with me. I, I feel confident with you when you're with me. I feel like I can go down the big slide when you're with me. There's big slides in all of our lives. I don't know what your slide is today but here's what you here's what you can know i'm gonna clap with you sister here's what here's what you can know you can know that you know that you know that you can pray that prayer that my son shared with me and he'd say god i want you to go with me and god says i'm with you i'll crawl through the slide with you i'm ready to go i'm ready to do it 
I'm with you. I'm with you. All throughout the day yesterday, I can just, I'm thinking of these different moments where, where, where we, we were with Epaph and he just said, wait, wait, come with me. Nope, you're coming with me. I almost didn't come here today because I almost went with them to the kids' ministry. You coming with me, right, to play in the kids' ministry? I'm gonna, I'll see you afterwards. But regardless of what that is or what you're doing, you can say, God, come with me. And on the authority of God's word and on the power of the story of Christmas, we can trust that he's with us. I want to bring a little bit more context to that three-word phrase, God with us. As we just do a brief exposition of those three words, we would come to, to understand that phrase all the more. The first word in that sentence is simply this, God. You, when you say God, you kind of have to add that like Morgan Freeman, like God, like God, God, like, like it's just God, right? The, 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 the first word of that phrase is God. And if you don't have a correct understanding in biblical worldview of who God is, then this phrase, God with us, won't mean much to you. Revivalist A.W. Tozer once wrote in his book, he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. When you think about God, the things that pop into your mind and heart are really the most important things about you. Because if you see God as a weak God or a small God, then your view of God will be small. It won't matter much if he's with you. But if you have a correct view of God, a big view of God, a biblical view of God, a God-sized view of God, where you see God as the creator, you see him as the alpha, the beginning, you see him as the omega, the ending, you see that God didn't need to be created, God is the creator. God is strong. There is nothing too strong for the Lord. One of my favorite stories of this comes with Abraham and his wife Sarah. And, and, and God says, hey, I'm going to give you guys a baby boy. And Sarah says, I'm 100 years old. And you know what the angel said? What's too strong for God? And she had that baby. Multiple times throughout the Bible, there's this question, God, are you going to do it? Are you strong enough? Are you going to provide for me? Are you with me? And God says, I'm God. Right? Moses was like, hey, God, what's your name? He says, I am. What does that mean? I'm God. I'm, I'm the beginning, I'm, I'm the end, I'm there. Who's going to provide? I'm going to provide. Who's going to take care of it? I'm going to take care of it. Who's going to forgive me of my sins? I'm going to forgive me of your sins. You know, I'm going to do it. I am God. Some of us believe in a God that's name is I was. As if you live in the past. God's like, I'm not, I'm not I was. I'm, I am. I am God. And God is telling Joseph here in this dream, he's like, listen, God with us. I'm God. I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm big, I'm awesome, I'm strong, and I'm good. I'm God. And if you, if you believe all those things, then you can trust that if that, that God is with you, that's a big deal. R.C. Sproul is a pastor and, and, and author of several books. R.C. Sproul is a, 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 a pastor. A, legendary pastor who passed away this past week. I thought it would only be fitting that we use a quote from his book, The Character of God. And he says it like this, when we understand the character of God, when we grasp something of his holiness, then we begin to understand the radical character of our sin and hopelessness. Helpless sinners 
can survive only by grace. Let me tell you one of the most beautiful pictures of grace that I've ever seen. God with us. Like, I wouldn't even want to be with me that much. Like, I probably wouldn't want to hang out with you that much in humility. But God says, but I do. Like, who's going with me? God's saying, I'm going with you. Like, God's saying, I, I just want to be with you. God's saying, I, I, look, it's so much grace. And guess what? You're not all that awesome. I'm not either. I, I, the Apostle Paul said, I'm the worst of all sinners, which gives us hope. Amen? Right? And God says, Paula, but I want to be with you, though. I want to hang out. I want to spend time with you. How do you know? Well, that's why I sent my son. That's why I sent my spirit. God is doing all that he can. He's pulling all the tricks out of his bag to get our attention to show you he wants to be with you. He wants to be with us. The question is, do we want to be with him? Do we want to be with him? He wants to be with us. When we focus in on the character of God, right? When we grasp the fact that God is holy, guess what? We'll be able to start living holy too because we'll want to be like God. We'll say, you know what? God is a holy God. I'm created in the image of God. I want to be holy like God. Holy just means set apart, set apart from the world. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be in the world but because Jesus was in the world, right? But it doesn't mean that you're going to be of this world, that, that the things of this world that it glorifies won't be the things that you glorify. And that's a process. That's called sanctification. That means just you're going, growing and looking more like God every day. You're looking more like Jesus, one step at a time. He's conforming us and transforming us into his image. He's God. He's making us more like him. That's what he's doing. He's holy. He's righteous. He's good. You guys know what good means? Good means good. Don't over-spiritualize good. That's who God is. He's good. Let me give you one more characteristic of who God is that should impact how you see God today. It's in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Let's read it off the screen. Ready? One, two, three. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. It's who he is. That's who God is. God is saying, like, if you could characterize me in one word, it would be love. God actually is love. If you look up love in the dictionary, it should just have a big G-O-D next to it. Define love, all caps, God. He is the ultimate lover of people. He created us. He sustains us. He maintains us. He attained us. He did all of that because he wants to be with us because he loves you. Let me go ahead and continue. God, second word is with. With. What does this word with mean? Let me give you the definition for the word with. Simply this, accompanied by. That's, it's a two-word definition of the word with. For God to be with us, it just means that he accompanies us. Do you ever just feel like you just need some company in your life? Like, I just wish someone would just hang out with me. Um, God says, can I, can I hang out with you? Because I want to be with you. I want to accompany you. I want to accompany you in your struggles. I want to accompany you in your life. I want to accompany you when you graduate. I want to accompany you when you start school. I want to accompany you in all these different areas of your life. I just want to have company with you. Do you want to have company with me? Says God. That's how much he loves you. That he wants to be, that he wants to be with you. 
Let's look back at it in, in verse 23 and 24 of Matthew 1. He says it like this. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God's with us. And Joseph woke from sleep, and he didn't ask questions. He didn't go back to sleep. He didn't start praying some more. Actually, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. And if I could just go back to that original phrase, the fact that he took his wife, he led here as a man of God is called to lead in his home. He did that very thing. He said, all right, guess what? I know that I didn't believe you at first. God spoke to me in the dream and he is with me. He is gonna accompany me throughout this painful process and he is going to accompany me. And not just me, he's going to accompany us. And we can trust, we can put all our eggs. If we got two baskets, one says God and one says everything else, take all your eggs and put it in the God basket. And trust, bank, get in the basket yourself and say, God, you got to do it. I don't want to leave anything else behind. I want to go all in. I want to put all my chips on God's side and trust that he's going to make it happen. I've never seen him to let anybody down who, who has done that. I've only seen him to hold us up. God with us. He's with us. I put a post on Facebook this past week. And here's the simple question I asked because I was curious as I was preparing for this message. What other people thought about this phrase, God with us? So I said, what does the phrase God with us mean to you? And over 20 different comments popped up on there of all types of different phrases. One person said, God with us means that he saved me. Another person said, God was with me when my dad never came home. Another person said, God is with me in the storm I'm currently in. Another person said, God is with me because his spirit leads me. Another person said, God is with me because I can't do this on my own. Another person said, God is with me in the struggles and the storms and the awesome times of life. And I was like, people are starting to realize it. Some person said, God is with me and uh, his name is Emmanuel. And I was like, way to use the biblical answer. I was like... <laughs> cheat sheet. I want to know how it means to you, right? Um, but all these different opportunities about how God is with us, what does that mean to you? It means that I can try again. It means that 2017 may have been a hard year, but he'll be with you in 18. It means that you might not have passed the test this time around, but it means that he's going to be with you when you take it again next time. It means that even though you may not want him to be with you, he's still going to go with you anyway. And you can call upon him because he's omniscient, omnipowerful, omni-everything. He is God, and he accompanies us. He is with us. Let's look at that last word, with us, with us. You and I, he's, he's, with, he's with us. The word us, by definition, just means us. It's just all of us. He's here. He's present. God empowers our presence. He's with us. He's with, the, he's with the body. He's with the community. Think about that word, the body. That's a, that's a word to describe the church. Jesus has two different synonyms for the church. It's the church, his bride, and his body. The body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church. The church is his body. That means that he is with us. His head is intact. He's not some floating, mystical, spiritual Jesus head. He's actually on his body. And he's trying to tell his body to take a step and to move this arm and to say this and invite this person to church next week and to do this thing and say no to sin. Listen to me, body. God is with us. 
Listen to him. Draw close to him. He's with us. God is love. How do, how do you know that God is love? I want to give you one more verse of scripture before we close in a time of prayer and worship. John 3.16 says it like this. For God so loved the world. Who's all in the world? All of us. U.S., right? This could easily say God so loved the church. But God so loved the world. And what about that word so? Like, it could just say God loved the world. But that word so means he so loved the world. Like, that's an extra umph. An extra just push of love. Like, I want to take my love to the next level by saying God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God is a generous God. He gave his son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. Amen. That's it. There's nothing more we really need to, to, to focus on besides this reality. Thank you, Father, that you loved us so much that he gave his only son, his only son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish but live for eternity with him. Heaven is all about being with God. If you don't want to be with him now, you're probably not going to like heaven because heaven is where God dwells with man. And that's what we see in the Christmas story, God with us. I want to close this time with just a brief illustration that I believe brings life and light to this reality. I want to share it in story format. So if you could try to just visualize with me, use your imagination with this story. If you're ready, say ready. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine with me this, this house out in the middle of the country. It's nighttime and it's snowing, okay? Do y'all see it? And this house connected to it has a, a farm. There's a, there's a farm right there connected to it. And the, the man of the house is a non-believer in God. And his wife is, is, is passionate about Jesus. She keeps trying to invite him to walk church and He's like, yo, I'm not listening to all that stuff. I don't really want to go to there because I don't understand why God, if he really is God, why he would make himself into be a man. Just doesn't make sense to me. Why would God himself, if God is all those things that we just talked about, why would he step into the world with all of us sinful people? It just doesn't make sense. You go ahead and read your Bible, believe your God stuff, leave me out of it, and Merry Christmas, right? And his wife says whatever and goes to sleep all right and so the husband is now sitting downstairs and he's in his recliner chair and he's watching sports center and he hears something outside making noise so he goes to the window and he he moves the blinds and he notices some of his geese are outside and the storm is picking up and the it's beginning to snow and just wind and he's like oh man my my animals are, are, are getting hurt. They need to get back in the barn and they're all out there going in circles. And so the farmer steps out and he, he goes outside and he's got, his, he's got his coat on and he's trying to round up his geese and he's like, y'all get back inside the farm. Hurry up. And they're all just looking at him like, you're crazy, man. We're not moving. And so here's what he does. He goes in the house 
and he gets a, a piece of bread and he just begins to make a little trail and they just start eating the bread but they don't follow him they are in a, in a circle so then he goes like this man come on geese y'all just follow me watch this and he's and he starts doing a little dance and some of them start to follow and then they just kind of turn back around and he's freezing right now and he's he's pulling his hair out and he's saying come on he's trying to push them in and they just keep flying around and then he says this out loud. He says, man, if I could just become one of these geese, they would follow me into the shelter. And it was in that moment that the Lord opened his heart. And God said, I wanted you to follow me so bad that I would chose to become a man and reveal myself to you so I could save you. So you wouldn't be wandering in the wilderness for the rest of your life cold and in your sins but you could follow me home and that is the Christmas story God sent his son with skin on born of a virgin a baby can relate to Jesus a five-year-old could relate to Jesus right? a 10-year-old could relate to Jesus a 30-year-old could relate to Jesus Jesus has been tempted in all things he has been a man who never sinned has always been 100% God and 100% man, and he died on the cross, rose from the grave to save us from eternal hell, to deliver us from our sins. For those who would put their faith and trust in Christ, they will be forever forgiven and set free to live the life God called them to live. Amen. That's what we're called to do. And we can follow him home. Amen. We can follow this Savior named Jesus all the way home. He'll protect us. He'll provide for us. In Jesus' name. If you need a story to use around Christmas time, use that one, all right? Tell people that God sent his son to save us. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity now as we pray. I thank you, Jesus, that you, you rescued us. That you rescued us, Lord. God, I thank you that, that the Bible tells us that, God, you're not against us, but you're for us. I thank you that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And Father, if there's somebody in the room this morning who doesn't know you as Savior, maybe they know you as God, but they never received you as their Savior. Even the demons believe. The demons shudder at the name of God. But they reject him as their Savior. Maybe today would be the day that you stop rejecting God and, and you select God as he selected you and you would receive him today as your savior and king. You are Emmanuel, God. You are with us. I thank you that right now you're with us. If you need to receive him right now and you know that he's with you right now, you know he's right next to you, you know he's got his arm on your shoulder right now with all heads bowed and all eyes closed right now, would you just do this? Would you just stretch your hand up if you need to receive him right now as your savior, as your Lord and King? I see hands up all over the room. Father, keep the hands up. Father, I pray for everybody who has their hand up that right now in this moment, they would receive you as their savior that they would follow you home, that they would trust you with all their might, all their heart, all their dreams, all their failures and letdowns, all their achievements and credentials. They would trust you with all of that. 
and receive you as the God of it all. You are Emmanuel, God with us. I repent of my sins. I receive you as my Savior. Pray those things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed to receive Christ this morning, I just want to go ahead and celebrate with you. It's not the words of your prayer that save you. It's faith in the gospel that saves you. If you believe and trust in your heart, then you're saved this morning. If you receive him as your savior, you can put your faith in him and begin to live it out and walk it out and do it in community. You're saved to be in the body of Christ. Don't try to walk it out by yourself. Lock arms with the brothers and sisters here at church and get to know him in community and experience him in his fullness. I want to celebrate that would you just celebrate with me church for those who are making spiritual decisions that christmas 2017 is when their the christmas story became their story amen he's with us i want to invite you now to stand with me we're going to move into a time of prayer and worship